It's Monday, everybody. Monday. It's the start of a new week and the start of a new week in the Word, and I couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, I love this time together. We call it Tim with Tim. Each day, Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock, we uh, spend some time on the Word of God together. I'm glad that you're with me, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or an, on a, an audio podcast somehow, whether you're watching me live or later, over lunch, over the weekend, I, I don't care. Um, it is wonderful just to be able to do this with you, and I appreciate your friendship and partnership in the Word of God together. We're going verse by verse through the book of Acts right now, and uh, we're in Acts chapter 13. It's a turning point, and I really love it. And uh, I'll try to point out some some things that uh, you, you may have missed, I don't know, in, in Acts chapter 13. I love how it starts. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria. There are actually two ancient cities called Antioch, and, and this one is, that's why they specify it's Syrian Antioch. And that's where uh, the uh, the church is. It's, you might say, Paul's home church, Saul and Barnabas's home church. They've been up. Uh, Prophets and teachers, teachers there for, for some time now. Now, this is technically about 11 or 12 years since Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. So he's no longer a new believer. You know, when you read right through the book of Acts, I think you can lose that insight. You, know, you just forget literally how long it takes for God to get Saul ready for use. You know, And we don't know uh, what happens in those silent years, but Barnabas went and got him. They've been teaching together, uh, co-teachers, whatever, uh, in the church at Syrian Antioch. And so now something amazing happens. At this turning point, I think it's beautiful that uh, Luke stops and just lists uh, some of the uh, most influential or prominent leaders, prophet teachers uh, in the church at Antioch. Uh, of course, listed first are Barnabas. Uh, which is interesting. He's probably the most prominent uh, teacher there. Simeon, uh, sometimes called Niger or called the black man. Uh, Lucius from Cyrene. Uh, this is interesting. Some people think, and, and you can't prove it, and I kind of doubt it, but I think it's worth throwing out. Some people think that Lucius from Cyrene might be Luke. It, it's like his little you know, signature for himself. Maybe he was a, a young prophet teacher in the church. He's about to be sent out with them, but but this is kind of his own little shout out to himself. I don't know. Uh, Lucius and Luke, you could argue are the same name. You can also argue that they're not. So I, I don't know, but just pay attention. There's a little, you know, Lucius could be Luke and that could be his own little signature there uh, for himself. Lucius from Cyrene, uh, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. Now, I think this is interesting um, because if, if Menaean is known to Luke, then that means Menaean is most likely the source for all of Luke's extra stories and, and information about Herod Antipas. Luke's gospel in uh, chapter 8, I think it's chapter 13, and then in the Passion, in the trial of Jesus, Luke includes uh, material about Herod Antipas that nobody else has. So it could be that Menaean is the source of that since he is said to be the childhood companion of King Herod. So again, I love the Bible for the way, you know, things like that just connect. You can connect dots if you read carefully, and, and I find that exciting. One day as these men, the prophet teachers, or it could be the whole church, it's hard to say there. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I, I think that's amazing. First off, they're worshiping and fasting. 
You know, uh, I think the Holy Spirit would do more at Woodburn, at the church that I serve, if we just did more prayer and fasting, you know? Um, I don't know if this is a particular season of openness to the Lord and uh, and listening to the Lord. I, I, I don't know. Or, or perhaps is this just literally their way of life? Do they just live with that kind of expectancy and, and openness all the time? But they are... They're before God as a congregation. Now, it's not a big church. Uh, understand that. It's a, probably a house church, maybe a couple of house churches together. I, I don't know. We can't know, but it's not a, a large group. Um, and they don't have a pastor, you know, that sort of thing. These prophet teachers, they are the ones who are leading, and they are together seeking the Lord. And the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, send out. Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. How does the Holy Spirit speak? You know, I don't know. In my experience uh, as a pastor, the Holy Spirit rarely speaks loud enough for the whole church to hear. You know, there's always somebody that did not hear, you know, what what the rest of us are hearing and they're going to vote no. I mean, you know, it's just, oh gosh, how do you get the whole church to hear the Spirit's voice. I guess it's the prayer and fasting. You know, if everybody's praying and fasting together, probably the chances just were drastically increased that everybody's going to hear the voice of the Spirit. But they hear the voice of the Spirit plainly say, send out Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. At that point, do they know what the special work is? Do I need to remind you, ain't nobody invented foreign missions yet. You know, as a matter of fact, well, I don't. We, we barely got missionaries. Now, the church at uh, Antioch here is the very first church that actually evangelizes Gentiles in their own town. You know, this is the first church that evangelizes Gentiles. You know, in their neighborhood. So it, it starts locally. Make no mistake, but. But here they are led by the Spirit to discover what nobody else has discovered, and that is the idea of of sending out missionaries, you know, taking, you know, men who are useful right here among us and sending them out for the specific purpose of sharing the gospel. These are the first foreign missionaries, make no mistake, right here. And uh, at that moment when the Spirit says, I've got a special purpose, do they know what it is? Because they go right back to fasting and praying. I mean, they go right back to it, you know, and then they lay their hands upon uh, Barnabas and Saul and send them on their way. Uh, the beginning of the very first missionary journey. Not just Barnabas and Saul's first missionary journey. This is the first missionary journey. Uh, missions just got discovered and, and, and I love it. Just notice a couple of little things here. Notice that Barnabas has prominence. Barnabas is the first name in the list of of uh, prophets and teachers. And then in verse four, Barnabas is, is, is named first with Barnabas and Saul. That probably is an indication of his prominence, his status. He's considered the, 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 the senior leader, so, so to speak. I'm calling your attention to that because by the time we get to the end of chapter 13, that's going to change. It's going to be Paul and Barnabas. And when I say Paul, it's going to be Paul. Uh, Saul's name gets kind of changed in 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 the in the in the uh, just movement of this chapter. He saw he saw in verse one, he saw in verse four, and then in verse nine. Notice what what happens here. Saul, also known as Paul, you know, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then from that point on, look at verse thirteen. Paul, you know, so it's in this chapter right here where Saul is going to become known as Paul. Now, growing up in church, 
Now, I was always kind of taught or I got the impression that God changed his name. You know, when he was converted, God changed his name from, from Saul to Paul. And, you know, I don't know. I, that, that's not the impression I get by reading the book of Acts. And that's all we got. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he's, been, he's been saved for 12 years, y'all, and he still saw. It's right here at the beginning of the Gentile mission that he becomes known by his Roman name. Remember, Saul is a Roman citizen. And so it's likely he's had two names from birth. I don't, I don't mean to ruin your Sunday school lesson for you, but it's likely he's always had two names. It's likely that he, growing up as a Jewish man, you know, in, 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 in Palestine, he was always called by his Jewish name, Saul, in Jewish circles. But now Saul is moving out and living his life primarily among the Romans, you know, among the Gentiles. And so it's natural for them to, to know him by his Roman name. So again, probably always had two names. And now because we're in Gentile circles, he's probably always going to be known by Paul. But I'd say he always had two names and, uh, and would have answered to either one. Uh, so just paying attention to those, the, those small things. Uh, the, the, their first trip, Barnabas and Saul, uh, they go to Cyprus. Remember that Barnabas was born, uh, chapter 4. Uh, was verse 36, chapter 4, tells us that Barnabas is from Cyprus. He's born here. So we're going back to Barnabas's kind of homeland, and they go first to the, uh, to, to the city called uh, uh, Paphos. There, they're uh, evangelizing the governor. Uh, Luke uses the very technical, correct name for the Roman uh, 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 you know, leader here in, in uh, Paphos. Uh, so anyway, it's Sergius Paulus, uh, and in his official court here, he's got this weird dude, this Jewish sorcerer. Uh, Luke's word there is, is, is magi, which I think is kind of, you know, interesting. Um, that word magi, again, when we think of like the three wise men, it's positive, astrologers, whatever, but the word can also have a negative connotation, which it has here. It's like a charlatan. He's like a fake prophet. He's probably in the in the Roman court here for his exotic abilities to tell the future, which he can't really do. He's fake. But anyway, he probably realizes that if this governor gets saved, it's going to ruin his best job ever because he's no longer going to be interested in his, you know, fake, you know, Jewish pagan gifts. And so notice how the sorcerer uh, Bar-Jesus, the son of Jesus, Bar-Jesus, uh, it instantly tries to distract and keep uh, Sergius Paulus from believing. But Saul, also known as Paul, that's where his name is changed, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looks the sorcerer straight in the eye and says, you son of the devil. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't miss the kind of play on his name there. His name means Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. And Saul says, you're the son of the devil. Yeah. Saul recognizes that it's, it's the devil's full-time job to try to distract people from believing, try to distract people from listening to the gospel. I see the devil doing this work every single Sunday morning in a congregation of several hundred people. He will do anything to keep people from listening. He will cause somebody to clip their fingernails in the middle of the service. He will cause babies to cry. He will just cause you to get so sleepy he will create a distraction in every way he can because he doesn't want you to hear the gospel. He doesn't want you to hear the preaching. So Saul curses him on the spot. Guys, don't punish you. Strikes him blind. And so the funny thing is here, the sorcerer, you know, uh, who wanted to distract Sergius Paulus from hearing the gospel actually becomes the very object lesson. Uh, the distraction becomes the message. And because he struck blind, 
And Sergius Paulus sees the power of God on display. He becomes a believer and uh, astonished uh, by the, uh, the, the teaching about the Lord, the Lord Jesus and the gospel there. It's all good. I just love all of that. It's just so good. So from now on, it'll be Paul and Barnabas. From now on, it'll be Paul and not Saul, except incidentally when Paul tells his own story and he quotes Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's interesting. You'll always go back to the, uh, to, to the, uh, the, the Jewish name. But we're going to pick up right here tomorrow morning. Pick up with me in chapter 13, verses 13 to 52. Paul's going to preach in uh, Pisidian Antioch. Remember, there are two. There's Syrian Antioch and Pisidian Antioch. And that's why you know, we're starting to distinguish those so you don't get those two different cities confused. We start at Syrian Antioch, Saul's, Saul's home church, and now starting tomorrow, he'll be preaching in Pisidian Antioch, but we'll pick up there tomorrow. Chapter 13, verses 13 to 52, it's Monday off. Uh, if you shop at Myers today, I'll probably see you there. Uh, but at any rate, stay in the words, uh, stay faithful, and I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you all. I'll see you tomorrow.